good health is a crown worn by the healthy that only the ill can see. Your health really is your wealth. Join us for the next hour as we explore disease and attaining and maintaining good health. This is Dischem Medical Monday, brought to you by Dischem, pharmacists who care. And good morning to you. I'm Kathy Kaler, and thank you so much for joining me. I'm standing in on Dischem Medical Monday, and, uh, you know, this month is Men's Health Month. We want to create an awareness. We love the men in our lives, whether it be our fathers, our brothers, our sons, our partners, our husbands. We love the men in our lives. And sometimes things can go a little bit awry with their health. And it can affect so many different areas. None, though, I think as profound in terms of the effect it has on mental health, on emotional health, on relationships. I don't think that there's an area as profound as men's sexual health. I've got a fantastic guest who I'm going to introduce you to in a minute. But uh, before that, I want to just tell you that my very formidable producer this morning of this show is Harry Slick Seleke. My engineer is the highly competent Craig Guthrie. I thank you both. Going forward throughout the next hour, if you have any questions, you don't have to be shy. You can send me a text. If you don't sign your name, I won't give your name, right? Or you can sign a false name with the greatest of pleasure. Um, I'll give you those numbers in a minute as well. You can also give us a call, and you can do that anonymously. So... The numbers, if you have any questions about, it could be about your husband, your partner, it could be about sexual development, it could be about yourself, it could be about a friend, give us a call, get in touch. And the number in studio is 34519, that is the SMS line. Those SMSs are charged at 1 Rand 50. You can send us a telegram if you have the app, and that number is 061-895-1019. Or you can call us in studio, and that number is 0101403020. Got it? All right, so uh, my guest this morning, I'm very, very pleased to be speaking to her. She's a medical doctor with a special interest in sexual health of men. So we're going to be talking about it, and we're going to be doing that right after this. Stay with me. This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Dischem, pharmacists who care. I'm Kathy Kaler. Thank you so much for joining me this Monday morning talking about men's sexual health. I'm joined by Dr. Heather Blaylis, and um, she is she's an expert in sorry, Heather Blaylock. Sorry, sorry. Uh, she's a medical doctor with a special interest in sexual health. We're talking specifically about men's sexual health because this is Men's Health Awareness Month. So stay with me. I don't know. We might learn something, right? Who, who can't stand to learn? <laughs> okay. So um, just to, before I introduce Dr. Blaylock, men's or sexual dysfunction generally is classified into four categories, okay? And we're going to go through each of these categories and look at examples and what can be done and where do we have to actually get some kind of intervention. So the first is a desire disorder. 
that's when somebody, either male or female, has a lack of sexual desire or an interest in sex. That could be cause. Okay, let me let me leave that for the doctor. Um, then there's arousal disorders. That is an inability to become physically aroused or excited during sexual activity. The third is orgasm disorders. That is a delay or an absence of orgasm. And then the fourth is pain disorders, pain during intercourse. So those are really the four main categories of sexual dysfunction. And that, that would apply to men and female. But we're going to be looking at specifically from a male point of view. So joining me right now, finally, Dr. Heather Blaylock. Uh, thank you so much for your time this morning. How are you? Good morning. Thank you so much for the kind invite. It's always a pleasure to talk about sexual health. Okay. And, and in men, because I think, you know, we, we just assume that all men are sexually healthy and that's not really the reality, is it? Yeah, that is not really the reality. Men are notoriously bad for coming to see doctors and for highlighting any difficulties that they may be having. Right, exactly. So let's do it here on the radio. If you have any questions about sexual health, it could be for yourself, it could be for your friend, it could be for your partner, you let me know and I will pass on your question to the doctor because chances are excellent that if you're asking the question, there are 10,000 other people asking the same question. And how do you ask your question? 34519 is the text line. That's on SMS. You can also send through a telegram on 061 Eight nine five one zero one nine, or you can give us a call on o one o one forty thirty twenty. Okay, so let's uh, let's look at can we can we look at the men's sexual health in terms of development from child to you know uh, yeah old age. <laughs> okay, and I say I say that with a smile on my face because apparently the most sexually active group or with uh, uh, with STDs is actually coming from the 80s plus. So there's hope. Yes, yes, that is correct. We, we see a peak in university students, and then again in the old age homes of STDs. Yes. Okay. But yes, that's... So it's quite interesting. <laughs> and you know, people assume that that people who are older don't have sex. And that is really not true. You know, we, we remain sexual beings until, until death, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So just looking specifically at a male, um, from, from birth to, you know, old age, how sexual, how do they develop sexually? I mean, is, is there a sexual component to say a 10 year old child or, you know, so, I, yeah, difficult um, to answer in such a short time. So, yes, so we know that little boys are always touching themselves and exploring and that that even um, boys in the uterus are having erections. So erections throughout a boy's and a man's life is completely normal and, in fact, is healthy, and we want them to be having those erections. So boys learn really early on that touching themselves feels nice and they might, but they might not really understand for a long time about what that means. I think with uh, social media and exposure now of kids that it is more important that we start to educate our children about 
their bodies, about puberty, and about sexuality from a younger age. Um, and there are guidelines that you can find easily on the internet from the World Health Organization that gives the different age categories and what is appropriate information to be giving to them at that age. And so we should be, you know, teaching our kids to love their bodies, to be proud of their bodies. And sexuality is normal. It's part of who we are. And to teach them also about the ability to say no. So to also know what is right and what is wrong. And, uh, you know, consent is another very important topic that, that we, yeah, we talk about a lot now with, with kids and even with adults. Right. And I imagine that if one is going to be talking to a child about sex and sexual mm. health, one is going to bring in that sexual health can really only exist within the framework of an intimate relationship. Or is that not true? Um, no, I don't think that is true because you can have, you can be sexual without having a partner. We, you know, we can masturbate. Masturbating is completely normal. It is healthy. Uh, I do understand that there are some cultures and religious religions who, who frown against it, but really it shouldn't be um, made into such a negative thing. It, it, is, it is so part of a normal boy's and man's development right. to, to explore their sexuality. And, yeah, so we don't necessarily need a partner to be sexual. Okay, so I was, I was talking more more around the the sexual health of it, if you're going to educate your child about it, that okay, you, is, you contextualize it within an intimate relationship, because that is, is that not the ultimate yes. healthy scenario? Yes, yes, you are correct. Yes. Okay. I don't so, have to be correct. <laughs> I mean, you are the expert. <laughs> so how we, how we like to talk to our kids now is in a sex positive way. So, you know, we rather, we talk about the safety issues and the, the positive aspects rather than the don't do, you are naughty, it's evil, your hand will fall off. You know, we talk in a more positive, in a more positive way to teach them, um, and make available easier their access to condoms, to information, to, um, uh, treatment for STIs, you know, for education, for um, contraception for the for the woman and the young girls. So it's all about making it more easily accessible and attainable, and it's important to keep the conversation going. Right, and knowing and one's body, I think that that's also yeah. a big part of development, whether it's yeah, you know, whatever your sex is. I'm Kathy Kayla. This is Discam Medical Monday. We're talking about men's sexual health. If you have any questions, you're welcome to send them through on 34519. That is the text line. Those text li- those texts are charged at 1 Rand 50 on the SMS. You can also send me a telegram on 061-895-1019. You can give me a call on 0101-403020. My guest this morning is Dr. Heather Blaylock. She's a medical doctor with a special interest in sexual health. And if you want to send through your message anonymously, you can either put somebody else's name, put your friend's name, (laughs) or you can uh, just sign it anon. You are welcome to do that. Uh, We're going to be talking, coming up, we're going to actually be talking about, you know, the four different categories of sexual disorders is 
the, the categories are desire disorders, arousal disorders, orgasm disorders, and pain disorders, all caused by different things. So going to be talking to to my guest about that. If you've got any questions, send them through. Before that, though, I want to ask you, is your shopping list longer and your time shorter? Discount Delivered has you covered. From healthcare essentials to baby food, beauty and toiletries, whatever you need, Discount Delivered has you covered. You can download the easy-to-use Discount app and shop over 7,000 products at in-store prices that will be delivered to you within 60 minutes. Now you can relax while Discount delivers your essentials to you. It's that simple. Discount Delivered, from Discount to you. Discount Pharmacies, say it with me, pharmacists who care. This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. I'm Kathy Kayla standing in. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest this morning is Dr. Heather Blaylock. She's a medical doctor with a special interest in sexual health. We're talking specifically about men's sexual health. The reason being that this is Men's Health Month. And if there's one disorder that can have the most profound effect on a male in terms of emotional, mental, uh, your relationship status, it's sexual health. And, hey, don't we love the men in our lives? We want them to be happy, <laughs> healthy, right? Absolutely. All right, so uh, we, we, I was saying that there's four basic groups which uh, you can ca- within which you can categorize sexual dysfunction. And this is for males and females, but we are going to focus on male. And the first one is desire disorders. The second one is arousal disorders. The third is orgasm disorders. And the fourth is pain disorders. And uh, we're going to be breaking those down right now. So... Uh, Dr. Blaylock, let's talk about desire disorders. Where do those come from? What causes them? Can you define it? So we, we refer to those now as hypoactive uh, desire disorders. And, you know, we always assume also that men are always sexual and always want to have sex. But it has been acknowledged fairly recently, actually, that a lot of men do suffer from a low libido. And this can be an indication of their mood, for example, depression. It can be a reflection of an underlying disease. It can be hormonal. It can be due to substances. Medications, um, maybe. Medication. Yeah. That they are, that they are taking. And it can also be due to the nature of the relationship and the health of the, the intimate relationship. Yeah. That's true, actually. That's, that's and, also if, and also if they're having good sex. So if you're having good sex, um, you're going to want to have more sex. But if you're having bad sex, you're maybe not going to want so it much. so much. Okay, so mm-hmm. define good sex. <laughs> I think that's also like very individual and very couple specific. You know, we all want different things, like different things. I think it's about the couple being mutually sexually satisfied and having great communication. Can we, can we, I don't know, maybe we'll have to agree to disagree, but, mm. or maybe we can both agree that sex with somebody you love is much better than sex with somebody that you don't. Yes, yes. So greater sexual satisfaction is within long-term intimate Couples, because it's not just about necessarily the sexual act. It's a, it's deeper than that. Right. Uh, so we know that the majority of people who have one night stands, women especially, will be anorgasmic. 
Um, and we tend to measure uh, sexual satisfaction by um, orgas- orgasms, which is not always either necessarily correct because because intercourse is so much more than just the sex act. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. You know, as a woman, we, we hear the same messaging. You know, be in a trusting relationship. The more trusting the relationship, the, the better sex will be because the more uninhibited you'll be in the bedroom. We don't hear that as much for men, and yet I imagine that it would apply to men as well. That if you're in a trusting relationship, you're also uninhibited. We don't think about men with performance anxiety. Yes, because you're more comfortable with that person, and so then you'll be more comfortable in your own skin, with your own body. Uh, communication should be easier, hopefully, in a long-term relationship. Yeah. Um, okay, so can, so can we talk about arousal disorders? This is, uh, if somebody has the inability to become physically aroused or excited during sexual activity, um, what causes this? So I guess under here we would be talking with men about erectile dysfunction. Yeah. Um, so arousal disorders in men and women increase with age because of potential changes in the vascular supply to the pelvic area. But with aging, erectile dysfunction in men becomes more and more prevalent. So all men at some stage in their lives will experience erectile difficulties, uh, whether this is sustained or if it's just a once-off, uh, can mean different things. So it's very important for men who experience erectile difficulties to present to their doctor because it can be an indication of underlying medical disease, such as high blood pressure, other cardiovascular diseases and or diabetes, uh, or neurological diseases. Can a, can, a, um, can a man can a man feel like he wants to have sex but just not be able to have an erection? Is that is that what yes, we're talking yes, about? Yes. Yes. Okay. So he does have a libido, but he just the actual he apparatus isn't working. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that can be a reflection also of underlying depression. Yeah. Can also be caused by medication. Um, it can also be caused situationally and partner specific. So the same as if you have, for example, performance anxiety because it's a once off, um, or the relationship is not good. There's anxiety. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm. So what sort of medications? I mean, it's come up now twice. What sort of medications would have an impact on a male's, on a man's ability to perform in the bedroom? Gosh, the list is actually very long. Really? So most of your cardiovascular medications that control blood pressure. Your beta blockers, those um, kind of things? Yeah. Uh, your antidepressants yeah. can have an effect on your libido and also your erectile capacity and also your ejaculation function. So it can cause delayed ejaculation or an ejaculation. Yeah, the, the the honestly the list is very very long, okay. and we do we do have some drugs that we call sex friendly. So, for example, there's an antidepressants, or there's a small group of medications for blood pressure that are more sex friendly than others. But 
if you are on these medications, it doesn't mean that you must now stop taking the medications to improve your sexual function. You need to still discuss that and be under supervision of your medical doctor. Okay. All right. Good advice. Good advice. Although if your relationship is good and, you know, it can only help, right? It can only help with de- with depression because you're going to have this massive release of dopamine. No? Yes. Yes. So sex is good for our health. It makes us feel amazing. We have a dopamine rash. We have the release of oxytocin, which is our bonding hormone. It makes you want to be like all cuddly and snuggly with your partner. Um, but sometimes the medication can mean that the, the sexual act and the erection doesn't happen or the ejaculation doesn't happen. And this is important especially in couples who are together for a long time where we teach them what is outer course, you know, so we don't only have to have intercourse for sex. We can have, there are different ways of being sexual with with partners. That's not necessarily penetrative sex. Yes, that's, yeah. Okay, this sounds very interesting. Sorry, can we digress for a minute? What is outer course? (laughs) Okay, so for example, we teach a lot of our sexual patients something called sensate focus. And this was initially developed by Masters and Johnson, who were the initial uh, sexual medicine gurus. And it's homework-based and it's graded. So the, the couple lie together. So you prepare the area so it's quiet and safe and warm and whatever, and you agree to a time limit. So you're only going to do it for 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 20 minutes so the couple knows the boundaries. Then they take turns in touching each other. And initially it's non-sexual. So you're not allowed to touch the breasts. You're not allowed to kiss. You're not allowed to touch the genitals. And then you swap who does the touching. And then as you progress, then eventually you're allowed to touch the genitals, and then eventually to have um, intercourse. And we teach this also as a way to take the pressure off the idea that the orgasm is the be and the end all of good sex. So it takes a lot of the pressure off. And I think it's a really beautiful practice because it teaches you to explore your partner's body again. You know, because if we've been to with a partner for a long time we do tend to become very habitual and so we have a routine um and then we forget sometimes about foreplay we forget about other areas that feel uh nice to touch or to tickle or yeah playfulness yeah playfulness yeah Mm. interesting i mean what you're describing is almost tantric you know um it's very interesting I i don't know how familiar you are with the jewish community but there's in the Jewish community, there's a concept called Taharas Mishpacha, which is family purity. And mm-hmm. a woman, um, an observant woman, were, will not be with her husband, will not touch his hand even, um, while she is having her period or for a week afterwards. Then she goes to the ritual immersion, and then she mm-hmm. can be with her husband. So essentially for two weeks of the month, it's like honeymoon 
right? <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> and and I think that it's it's a very very healthy way to be. You know, if you if you are offered a buffet all day every day, you're going to tire very quickly of that buffet. But if you have very specific times at which you can have, you know, whatever it is, access to the buffet, it takes on a different dimension. Anyhow, yes, I just yes. thought that I, I would like mention that. <laughs> yeah, I like the way you put that. You can have two weeks of teasing, you know. Exactly, exactly, and actually building the relationship. Yes, building the relationship and, you can and like the friendship. Build the, the tension, you know? Yes, exactly. Um, okay, so we've spoken about desire disorders. We've spoken about arousal di- disorders. And if you've just joined me, my name is Kathy Kayla. I'm standing in on the Diskin Medical Monday. My guest this morning is Dr. Heather Blaylock. She's a medical doctor with a special interest in sexual health. And we are talking specifically about men's health. So uh, if you let me just do a very quick summary. Um, sexual disorders are divided into four categories. One is desire disorders. We've also got arousal disorders, uh, orgasm disorders, and pain disorders. Desire disorders, uh, that's where you've got lack of sexual desire or interest in sex. It can be caused by depression, medication, and also the nature of the relationship. So if you're not in a good relationship, already you're going to, you're not going to have that desire to be with the person, right? Um, then that's the first category. The second is arousal disorders. That means your inability to become physically aroused or excited during sexual activity. In this category, we look at erectile dysfunction. We look at age. We look at the influence of hormones. We look at depression, um, medication, and also the situation regarding your relationship or the status of your relationship. Um, the third is orgasm disorders. That is the delay or the absence of Orgasm, meaning the delay or the absence or your inability to climax. How common is that for a man? Um, I can't give you exact numbers, but um, I think it is, it is definitely more than the general population would think. Um, the It can be influenced by men who've had surgery to the pelvis. Yeah. So especially in men who've had prostate surgery. Um, and also just to mention that the physiological processes of ejaculation and orgasm are not the same. So you, a man can ejaculate without having an orgasm and he can orgasm without having ejaculates. So we normally associate them to Together. be the same process. Yes. But actually they are two physiological, physiologically different processes. So for men who've had prostate surgery, they don't ejaculate, so they have a dry orgasm, and we can teach them, the physiotherapists who specialize in pelvic floor physiotherapy can teach them how to still be orgasmic. Um, yeah. It, That's so interesting. I've never considered that they could be two separate, two separate things that are, yeah, that, that is absolutely fascinating. Okay. Yeah, and some men, some men can also struggle with what we call retrograde ejaculation. So that means that instead of the ejaculate coming um, down and then out through the glands penis, it goes back up a little a urethra and goes into the bladder. So that can also happen with like neurological problems, also medication, uh, pelvic surgery. Sex is, is complex, multi-layered. 
Yeah, <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently you have to specialize in it. <laughs> My guest is Dr. Heather Blaylock. She's a medical doctor with a special interest in sexual health. If you've got any questions and uh, you'd like to send them through, don't be shy. Don't be shy. Seriously. Uh, you don't have to sign your name to your messages. You can put somebody else's name or you can just sign it a non and I won't read your name. Uh, the number is 34519, that is the text line, or 061-895-1019 on Telegram. You're also welcome to give me a call on 0101403020. We love the men in our lives. We want you to be healthy. We want you to be happy. We want to have fulfilling relationships with you on multiple levels. And, uh, you know, that's what this is all about. This is Men's Health Awareness Month, and that's why we're looking at sexual health. Coming up, we're going to be talking about pain disorders, pain during intercourse. Do you have pain during intercourse? We're going to be talking to Dr. Heather Blaylock about that. Stay with me. This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. Thank you so much for joining me this Monday morning. My name is Kathy Kayla, and I'm standing in. This is the Discam Medical Monday. My guest is Dr. Heather Blaylock. She's a medical doctor with a special interest in se- sexual health, obviously male and female, that, uh, you know, your XX or the XY chromosomes. But we're talking specifically about men's sexual health. And uh, if you're just joining me, there are f- let me sum up what we've been talking about. There are basically four categories under which sexual dysfunction can be categorized. The first is desire disorders. If there's a lack of sexual desire or interest in sex, it can be caused by depression, medication, and the nature of the relationship. Um, also by antidepressants and beta blockers. The second type is arousal disorders. That means the inability to become physically aroused or excited during sexual activity. That's that can be attributed to erectile dysfunction, uh, age, hormonal imbalances or um, you know changes in your hormones, depression, medication, and the nature of your relationship. Uh, we've spoken about orgasm disorders. That is the delay or the absence of orgasm. It can be caused by prostate surgery, by pelvic surgery, and... Um, Finally, I want to talk about pain disorders. That is pain during intercourse. One doesn't think of a man having pain during intercourse. So pain during intercourse is never normal. Men can get pain which is superficial or which is more deeper in the pelvis. So if they get superficial pain, it can be because they have tears on the, the, on the penis uh, this can be from, for example, infection. It can be from allergies to latex, allergies to uh, lubrication being used. Um, it can be because they have discomfort because their female partner experiences vaginal dryness um, and penetration is more difficult. Uh, STIs can obviously give pain, pain with urination um, or pain if there's the presence of herpes simplex ulcers on the glands penis. And then deeper pain could be an indication of prostatitis or bladder infection um, or something to do with the bowel. So if you think of the little pelvis, that little pelvic 
volume and what structures lie within that pelvis. You know, there's a lot of competition for space there. So somebody who's constipated can can have an effect on your bladder and your urination function and your sexual function and um, and vice versa. Um, yeah, so sex, pain during sex is never normal. Um, just a question from one of our listeners. What is actually meant by the term impotent? Thanks for the question. So impotence is an older term. We don't really like to use it anymore, and it really refers to erectile dysfunction. So it's the inability to get an erection or maintain an erection. And would that be into the arousal disorder category if we're going to categorize it? Yeah, but we don't like to use that term anymore. It's a very okay. negative kind of term. Yeah, you know, we, it we, is. You're right. We talk about erectile difficulties or erectile um, dis- dysfunctions. Yeah. Um, and what can you do about it? Oh, so there's lots. Okay, so just to remember that a lot, most of sex happens in our heads. Mm-hmm. Okay, so your libido, your erectile function your orgasmic capacity can actually all be in your head. So you can prevent a sexual interaction being amazing or you can make a sexual event be more exciting by just what is happening in your own head. So, for example, for treating erectile dysfunction, we have oral medication. Everybody will be familiar with Cialis or Viagra, um, and those medications can be taken as needed, um, or Cialis, for example, can be used on a daily basis in a much smaller dose so that you are always ready potentially for sexual interaction and you don't have the anxiety with the preparation and anticipation um then if that doesn't work there are injectables so into the penile tissue into the cavernous tissue um we also have vacuum devices and the vacuum devices are used a lot with our post prostatectomy patients where we do what we call penis rehabilitation yeah, and then there are some other natural, like more natural remedies that people do use. And, for example, we've got a South African product called Takbuk. Um, so anything with L-arginine in is good for erectile function. Okay, good to know. And <laughs> L-arginine. And, it sounds like Tiger Balm. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't put Tiger Balm on anyone's penis. <laughs> but the most important thing about erectile difficulties is to identify if there's an underlying medical condition yeah. because it can indicate a cardiovascular event. Okay, that that's that was going to be my next question about when do you know, or at what point do you say you know what this is beyond what's normal? You know, there's been a sudden onset, or it's been a, a growing, mm-hmm. you know, pardon the terminology, but it's been growing well, over, <laughs> over the last over the last month, two months, three months. At what point do you say you know what I need to actually go and get checked out? 
Um, I think so for any man who's over the age of 35, 40, who starts to experience difficulties um, on a more regular basis, um, if you're young and fit and healthy in your 20s, I would be less concerned about it. But that's not to say that there's not going to be something wrong because it really can be an indication of a handful of medical illnesses. And because we have things to treat and to manage these difficulties, so, we, you know, we have things to manage premature ejaculation. Sometimes it's a simple change of a cog in somebody's brain or it's a relationship that needs help or, you know, it's a medication that needs changing or a diet that needs changing. And so we want to encourage our men. Please yeah. don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. We're all, you know, we all have bodies and things go wrong and, yeah, there are ways to, to, to help. Right. Um, another listener question coming through, wanting to talk about exposure to pornography. Is it making our men unhealthier sexually? I think that's a great question because it seems to be quite controversial, actually. Yes. So men who watch a lot of pornography, it can definitely impact their sexual relationships in a negative way because of the bodies and the kind of sex that is portrayed in porn. So the bodies are beautiful. They're athletic mostly. They're staged. The men all have ginormous penises. The women all have perfect perky boobs. The noises are not necessarily normal. The squirting is not necessarily normal. You know, we have to keep in mind that it's staged, that when the porn is filmed, it's potentially edited. Um, and so it's not portraying what is norm a normal, intimate sexual act. When men watch too much of this, they start to become almost disappointed with their own partner one-on-one because the partner will never match up to what they are watching in porn. Often then, when they're watching porn, they're masturbating. So then they also are, are satisfying themselves sexually, so they become less interested in having partnered sex. Um, so it may appear as though their libido is less to their partner. Um, and they, and, and men and women who masturbate, they learn very quickly about what is, gets them off quickly, you know, and a partner, partnered sex, penis, vaginal intercourse can never match that either. Very interesting. Very, very mm. interesting. Uh, so, sorry, just excuse my voice if I, if I haven't spoken for a while, it does this. Um, so let's look at the other extreme where is pornography, do you think, having an impact on um, men who are diagnosed as um, sex addicts? Okay, that's like a whole other... It's a whole other show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> as, soon, as soon as you are watching too much... So porn that interferes with your daily functioning, so with your job with your relationship, or you are hurting yourself physically, and this can happen, then I think that you should 
ask for help. Uh, it's so interesting because I think that unless, you know, both partners are perhaps watching porn together, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> please, I'm not endorsing this. <laughs> um, I've got my own views on, on pornography, but um, surely it will have an impact on your relationship if a man is doing it without his partner. I mean, I just... That's yes, it will. It will. And a lot of, and a lot of um, couples, they also perceive that watching porn is being unfaithful if the partner finds out because it's secret. You know, there's all kinds of psychological impacts that that can also have about the partner not feeling adequate enough, not feeling good enough, not feeling... It goes against the value system. It it could be so many different things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I'm looking at the time. I cannot (laughs) believe that we have got... We've got so little time to... uh, to actually just finish this conversation. If you've got any questions, you are welcome to send them through. You've got about two minutes to do it. Uh, please send them through now. 34519, that is the text line. Those SMSs are charged at one rand 50 watt VAS rates. You can also send me a message on Telegram, 061-895-1019. That's Telegram number. Or you can give me a call on 0101. 40, 30, 20. I'm not so sure that we're actually going to have time to take any calls. Uh, my guest is Dr. Heather Blaylock. She's a medical doctor with a special interest in sexual health. If you've got any questions, send them through, sign them anon. I won't read your name. And, uh, yeah, let's definitely talk about that. So we've spoken about the four different types, desire disorders, arousal disorders, orgasm disorders, and pain disorders. What can we as partners do to just make the men in our lives sexually healthier is there something that we can do as women or does it all fall on their shoulders (laughs) i think you can make them an appointment with their gp to get physically checked out okay i don't know i think i think we should just always be respectful and kind to our partners yeah, and men have got a tough Men should be encouraged to come for just general checkups. Yeah. You know, don't wait until something is wrong. Come and have a general checkup. Let us do your sugar, your cholesterol, a blood pressure. Don't forget if you over a certain age, uh, 45, 50 plus, to do your uh, PSA, your prostate antigens. Um, I believe in maintaining health. So not to wait until the wheels fall off. Right. You know what we haven't actually spoken about is testosterone, but I suspect that that might be a whole show. <laughs> right That's up there. Another show. Another show. <laughs> that is a whole nother show. Thank you so much uh, just for making time to speak to me this morning here on 101.9 Chaifem on the Diskim Medical Monday show. It is really – okay, you see – here we go. Now all the messages come through. Now there's like, they're like galloping <laughs> horses. All right. So very quickly, unsigned wants to know, how do anabolics affect erectile function? Just before you go. So anabolic steroids are bad for men long-term use. So it can have uh, an effect on uh, fertility. Yeah. Um, on... Uh, Testicular size, so it causes testicular atrophy. 
um, and it can also have an effect on your erectile function. And long-term use is not good for your heart. Will it affect your libido? Um, yes, yes. So it can increase your libido okay. and make you more, yeah, even more aggressive. Um, yes, it can increase your libido quite significantly. Okay. That is unfortunately where we have to leave it. But I have enjoyed speaking to you. Thank you so much. And thank you for just being so open to all the questions that came through. Dr. Heather Blaylock, she's a medical doctor with a special interest in sexual health. And thank you to you for joining me for this Discam Medical Monday. And uh, special thanks go to my engineer, the highly competent Craig Guthrie, and my producer, the formidable one and only Harry Slick Seleke. I will be back on your radio next Monday. Thank you so much. Be well. Stay good to yourself. God bless.